0: You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp can help. This is the world's largest provider of counseling done 100% online. Counseling is my number one tool for being a more emotionally resilient parent because it's a place where I can talk through my struggles and my struggles with my children and learn tools for processing my emotions and managing hard moments. To get started meeting with your own licensed professional therapist online, just visit betterhelp.com slash 3 30 that's better H-E-L-P, and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. As a special offer for 3 and 30 listeners, get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash 3 30 Hello, my friends, and welcome to September. It's a new month, a new season, and I am so excited to be back with new episodes of the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about empowering and supporting our kids who have ADHD, which as you will hear in the episode, is something that I'm currently navigating myself as one of my children is going through testing, and I will share a lot more about that experience within the interview. But before we jump into that, I wanted to give you a couple of updates on the state of the podcast as we head into the fall. I always feel like autumn is a big time for 3 and 30 because I launched the show almost four years ago on a brisk autumn day in October. When I started the show, I was a busy stay-at-home mom looking for a creative outlet, and I had no idea that this podcast would eventually reach moms all over the world and become my career and my life's work. I feel so blessed every day to be part of 3 30, and I'm so excited to celebrate some big milestones with you in the coming months, including the 200th episode in a couple of weeks and the fourth birthday of the podcast in October. Another big milestone happening behind the scenes is that I was recently invited to join a podcasting network called Cloud 10 Media, and I am thrilled to work with them to grow the impact of the show in the coming year. Joining a network will enable me to have better work-life balance and to have a more sustainable and consistent way to support the show financially, and I am so excited about that. So what will this change for you as a listener? Not much, really, but I still wanted you to know that this was happening because you've seen the podcast evolve over the years, and I appreciate your ongoing support more than you will ever know. And one change that you will notice is that I will sometimes mention a sponsor partway through the episodes after the first or second takeaway instead of right at the beginning. You might be used to this with other podcasts you listen to, but I wanted to give you a heads up since this is a change for 3 and 30 As always, sponsors will be companies that I actually use and believe in, and I'm so grateful for their support because it's how I'm able to make the show available for free to parents all over the world. You already heard about BetterHelp, and you'll be hearing about our second sponsor partway through today's episode, so let's get into it. This is a perfect conversation for back-to-school season as we navigate supporting our children with their unique needs and learning preferences. My guest is Dr. Mary Wild, an integrative pediatrician who uses a whole-child approach to addressing emotional and behavioral issues in kids. Her main focus areas are anxiety, ADHD, and parenting. She's an author, podcaster, and frequent contributor to various online platforms. And on top of all of that, she is a mother. You're going to hear about her unique family within the episode, and I think you will be even more impressed by her motherhood experience than by her professional bio. It's truly something special. So with no further ado, let's jump into this conversation about the power of focusing on our children's strengths when they are diagnosed with ADHD. Here we go. Dr. Mary, it is so fabulous to have you here. Welcome to 3 and 30.
1: Thank you so much. So happy to be here.
0: Well, this episode comes at a very good time for me personally. I currently have a child going through testing for ADHD, and we are navigating how to help this child and support them inside and outside of school. And I just feel so lucky that I get to talk to someone today who has not only so much professional experience as a pediatrician, but also you have raised eight sons. That (laughs) is, that is something that is more impressive than the medical school, you know? Thank you. So congrats on that. And I know today is a big milestone for you with that, isn't it?
1: Yes. I just dropped off my youngest child for their first day of kindergarten. So it's a big day.
0: Yeah. After raising eight boys and you have just this breadth of experience with parenting and I'm sure so many different personalities of children within those eight. Yes. And then your practice as well, that you have been a pediatrician all along the way. And so I'm so excited to learn from you today. And I was wondering if we could just start before we really dive into your takeaways, could you just briefly describe I mean, I think we all kind of know what ADHD is, but we may have a lot of misconceptions about it. Just in your words, how would you briefly describe ADHD in children?
1: So I would describe ADHD as a descriptive term to capture just a child that has some struggles with focus and or impulsivity, because there can be various combinations, you know, just the inattentive type, just the hyperactive type. And basically, that's it. It's a descriptive term that describes tendencies. And I am here to share with the moms in this audience about how you can embrace your child with ADHD and help them feel celebrated to use their strengths to work on their weaker areas.
0: Yeah. And you and I talked a little bit before we started recording about my child that's going through this testing. And you mentioned to me that. ADHD is not something that you can test for like strep throat, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's so true. It's not necessarily like it's there and it's bacterial and we can solve it. It's more patterns of behaviors, ways of thinking that are maybe a little bit atypical and how to support that child, which is both a relief as a parent to hear and also hard as a parent. Cause in some ways I feel like I wish that it was like we could just give a blood test and see right. exactly what to do and how right. to support this child. But instead it's more learning that child and helping them to understand how their brain works and right. us as parents, learning how their brain works and supporting them in mm-hmm. those ways. And that's what we're going to talk about today.
1: Right. And ADHD isn't just one thing. There's so many paths to this presentation of ADHD. And so the solution is very related to the individual child and the multifactorial aspects. So I'm excited to dive in.
0: Yeah. Well, let's just start with your first takeaway.
1: So my first takeaway is help your child see their strengths. You know, even the diagnosis, ADHD, it's attention deficit hyperactive disorder. So we have two negatives in there in that statement and as an english major we think of two negatives make a positive right but not in this case so often kids with adhd are in a position repeatedly where they're getting in trouble where they're feeling like they're annoying people where maybe they're struggling in situations that other people don't struggle and it can be really hard hmm. to be in that state all the time and there's so many strengths connected with this combination of tendencies. So when I was navigating this question about what is ADHD and what do I as a parent want to do about it, when I had a child that, you know, as a medical provider, I am watching him grow and thinking, okay, he is showing all the signs of mm-hmm. ADHD. What am I going to do about it as a parent? And one of my favorite resources I found early on was the book, The Gift of ADHD by Mm -hmm. Laura Hunnis Webb. And she is a brilliant psychologist who focuses on ADHD and has become a good friend of mine. We've collaborated on events and I just loved her approach. And it, it just spoke to my heart because I didn't want to see my child as flawed. I felt like that wasn't something I wanted to Buy into is this whole view of my child as this flawed person because mm-hmm. we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses. So, no matter what you want to call it, often our weaknesses are very connected with our strengths. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like two ends of the same stick. So, you have someone who's kind of a daydreamer, sort of scatterbrained, and you also have someone who's amazingly creative. You have someone who is bouncing off the walls, can't stop touching everything, you know, is getting into stuff, is making messes, is learning experientially. But you also have just this really enthusiastic, fun kid. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that that's always where we need to start is just celebrating the amazingness of the child we have before us. And that will help counteract some of the negative messages that they're getting elsewhere and some of the negative messages that sometimes they get from us <laughs> because, yeah. you know, when it all comes down to it, it is really hard. Yeah. It's really hard to parent a child who is bouncing off the walls, questioning everything, touching everything, bumping up against every boundary we try to set. That is a different experience than having a child who just quietly sits in colors, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so I think that we need to give ourselves grace as parents as well.
0: Yeah. Well, and you're so right that that's a double negative there. And Mm -hmm. I don't want my child to think of themselves in a double negative. Right. You said, like, usually a double negative makes a positive. And I'm like, in this case, let's do that. Let's turn this positive for our kids. Mm -hmm. I know some parents, myself included, may have some hesitation in, Having their child tested or labeled with ADHD because they worry that that will add a negative label or stigma Mm -hmm. in the child's mind about themselves, or maybe an excuse that they'll start to rely on. As a pediatrician and a mom, do you think that there is value in having children tested if you are seeing some of these behaviors and having these questions? And if so, what is the value of having them tested?
1: I think that's a really, really important question and something I talk to parents a lot about because sometimes parents come in and they have an evaluation they're like, I don't know if I want you to make the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, your child qualifies for that diagnosis. And so we have this discussion and, and there are really four main reasons that I think that we would want to have a diagnosis made. And these are the four. So first is self-understanding. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a child who's like, why is this so hard for me? Why? You know, sometimes it's a huge relief to kids to be like, oh, there's a reason why I'm different. So self-understanding is the first one. The next one is a community. Because if we're all isolated and worrying about our kids without having a discussion and not even having a name to, to talk about what our struggle is, it can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. And when we and our kids can be like, oh, there's a whole world of other people going through these same things. It's it's amazingly powerful. And then the third thing is that it gives some treatment direction. So if you just have this unnamed problem, yeah. <laughs> challenge that you're dealing with, then how do you look up research on Blank, <laughs> you, you know, so it's it's helpful sometimes to have a name. So you say, does evidence and research show us is most effective in this case? Hmm. And then the final thing is accommodations. So without a diagnosis, you really can't get accommodations in a school. And we will talk a little bit about accommodations because I know parents sometimes feel like, do I want accommodations? And will that make my child not grow if we just are always accommodating. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. But another thing I will mention too is with ADHD, the research shows that there's at least about a 60% comorbidity rate with other things. Mm -hmm. And so not addressing ADHD can sometimes even make that worse. So these comorbidities include things like anxiety, depression, substance use and abuse, learning disorders, and sensory sensitivities. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes if we're kind of in denial about a diagnosis and we're kind of pushing it away, then then we might be pushing away resources and help in those other areas that also may be there. So,
0: Yeah. This is so interesting for me to hear. When I called the pediatrician about this child that I'm having tested right now, and I don't have this child's permission yet to share. That's why I'm being vague on which child. The doctor or the scheduler said, bring the child with you. And at first I was resistant and I said to them, well, I don't really want to have this discussion with the doctor in front of this child because I need to tell the doctor everything I'm seeing. And I don't want this child to get negative messages about the behaviors that I'm seeing And the scheduler just said, well, this is how we do it. I then thought, okay, I have to bring the child in. So I'm going to talk to the child. And it was actually a really great experience. I said, I want you to know we're all going to get our well child checks before school. And- the doctor and you and I are going to talk about this and this is what it is. And these are some of the reasons why I'm wondering if you might have it. And we looked it up together and we read some of the symptoms and this child, like you said, almost, I think felt relieved to hear Mm -hmm. that, Oh, maybe this is why I struggle. And I said, I don't know for sure, but Mm -hmm. I just think that there's value in us understanding the way your brain works Mm -hmm. so that you can learn strategies to support the way that your unique brain works. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be learning right along with you. And it ended up being really positive. And here I had thought I should keep this child in the dark. I don't want to label them. And the appointment went well with the pediatrician and we're going to do Mm -hmm. some further testing. But Mm -hmm. in the end, I was grateful that I brought the child in. And I don't think it necessarily has to be a negative label. Mm -hmm. I think it could be very helpful for this child to understand more about themselves.
1: Definitely. I was like you handled it well.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. I was forced to, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like sometimes I was like, I wouldn't have done it that way, but then the doctor knew best. (laughs) It ended up being great. Today's episode is brought to us by Jane.com, a highly curated online boutique marketplace. Have you ever heard of Jane? Chances are you have because they have been a longtime sponsor of the podcast and I am so grateful for their ongoing support. For the past 10 years, Jane.com has been featuring products from thousands of small businesses, most of them female or family owned. As a female business owner myself, this kind of support means a lot to me. Over 400 new products drop daily at amazing discounted prices, everything from apparel for the whole family to home decor to fun finds such as toys and novelty items. Lately, I've been on the hunt for a leather weekender bag, so I check the deals at Jane often and I know something beautiful is going to pop up soon and I can snag it at a great price. If you're interested in shopping but don't know where to start, check out the curated selection of My Favorite Things on Jane.com that I made just for 3 and 30 listeners you can see the deals that I handpicked for you and that change often at jane.com slash three and 30. That's jane.com slash three and 30. So what is your second takeaway?
1: So my second takeaway is help your child with ADHD find matched environments to set them up for success. And what I mean by that is we constantly are putting our kids in these environments where Maybe they're sort of set up to struggle because the traditional classroom is not necessarily a matched environment for somebody who has ADHD. And if we think that they spend eight hours, five days a week in this potentially unmatched environment where they're getting some negative messages and they're struggling, then We have to find some matched environments to balance that out where they are just thriving and loving it and not getting in trouble. And they can run and bounce off the walls and just not have to suppress anything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my son, when he was in second grade, I just started noticing his teacher started telling me. I'm kind of concerned. He's a little slower in reading. He's being a bit disruptive. And I found out that she was making him sit with his back to the wall during recess because he had been disruptive, which is the exact opposite thing Mm -hmm. that he needed. And so I did talk to her about that. But as the school year progressed, I saw my son sort of deflate. Mm -hmm. And it was so sad to me. I tried to do this repair work at home. But, you know, it was just really hard for him to be in that environment. And at the time, I had just had a new baby. I was a doctor, but I was overwhelmed at teaching second grade. I just I had never homeschooled before. And I thought, I don't know how to teach second grade. So right at that moment, I didn't feel like I could do it. But I did make the decision that for the next school year, I was going to keep my child home. And I felt like that whole year was a year of repair. Mm. and. It was interesting when he got back to school, we sculpted the year really in a way that celebrated his strengths. And we went on field trips. We did a lot of experiential learning and we read together. And by the end of that year, when I brought him in for the new year, the teacher was like, wow, your son can do anything. I think he needs to be in the gifted program. And I thought, yes, that's my son. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like, He needed to be in a place where he could be celebrated rather than have his back against the wall in trouble. Hmm. And so I know that not everyone can homeschool. I know that not everyone can just handpick educational environments for their kids. But when you have the chance and the choice, then it it warrants some thought to find an environment that is matched and If you acknowledge that your child is in a position where they're sort of deflating or wilting based on the negative messages they're getting, even if you can't take them out of that situation immediately, to be doing other things that are counterbalancing that, where they're in matched environments. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It really struck me when you said just the amount of time that they spend in that mismatched environment. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: If you know, okay, they're in school. I know this isn't a matched environment for them. Mm -hmm. I can't homeschool when they're home, I need to really focus on making it match to kind of Mm -hmm. counteract Mm -hmm. the amount of time that they're spending. What are things that we can do at home to create a matched environment for a child with ADHD, as well as Mm -hmm. do you have any suggestions, if we can't homeschool, of Mm -hmm. things that we could maybe suggest to the teacher or ways to make it a little bit more matched? So how do we Mm -hmm. match at home and how do we match at school? No, that's a big question. Yeah,
1: in general, I think it's important to keep communication open between you and the teacher. And so I went in and I said, "This is not okay. My son will not be sitting with his back to the wall at recess. He needs recess." You know, and also it was interesting he'd get in trouble for doodling on his papers, and and I'd be asking him like, there was this one kindergarten piece of paper. He brought home, he was supposed to color gumballs in a gumball machine. He had this whole drawing of people. And I was like, what is this? And he said, these are people jackhammering to get into the gumball machine. And I mean, it was this whole elaborate story that went beyond Mm. the scope of the worksheet, but yet he was in trouble because Mm. he had messed up the paper. And so I also just talked to her and, and actually brought her research saying, doodling is actually a sign of intelligent activity going on. And so I think you really need to be an advocate. And sometimes it even is worth asking for a teacher reassignment Mm -hmm. because certain teachers really do better than others with this. In terms of at home, I think movement is so important. And so rather than being bothered by our kids when they're like doing things that don't seem to be fitting in the moment, watch them as detectives to say, what is their body showing me that they need right now? So if your kid is bouncing off the walls, go outside, go Mm -hmm. move. You know, they also have like little indoor trampolines that you can have them bounce on. There are so many different things that kids can do to get that need for movement met. So it's Mm -hmm. not just like, sit still, be still, be quiet, stop. It's let's go where you can move. And nature, getting out in nature is a perfect place. With eight boys, I felt like nature was this whole playground that was such a gift gracefully given to me as a mom of eight boys. They could throw things, they could break things like sticks and crunch Mm. things. And it was It was exactly the perfect thing to do, whereas in my house, not so much.
0: (laughs) Yeah, these are really great suggestions. And I think for my child that has ADHD, most likely, one thing is that this child struggles with too many organized, structured activities Mm -hmm. and wants time to just be home, creating, building with Lego, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that. And in some ways as parents, we resist, like we want this child involved in more team sports and, and it's just not their thing. And I think Mm -hmm. we as parents need to adjust our expectations and acknowledge the school day is hard and long enough. We don't need to then shuttle this kid to another Mm -hmm. social setting sport. They don't really like and force them into another unmatched environment, just because we think it's quote good for them. We need Mm -hmm. to listen to the child and what they want and need and observe them and recognize that they may not be the child that we thought we would have, but they Mm -hmm. may be so much better than what we thought we would You know, they may not have the same interests that we had had when we were children. And that's great. And we can learn and find new matched environments for them that also fit with our family culture. Definitely. Yeah. And then what is your third takeaway?
1: So... My third takeaway is helping your child with ADHD have a vision for the future by sharing success stories. So I think it's important, along with any diagnosis that comes, to maybe have some stories on hand to say, did you know this person has ADHD and this person has ADHD? And one of my favorite stories that I came across was the story of a girl who grew up in the 30s. Her name was Jillian. And her mom took her to the doctor because she was constantly moving. And the teacher had said, you know, your daughter has a problem. (laughs) You need to take her to the doctor or something like she has such a hard time being still. And there was music playing in the doctor's office. And the doctor just watched her for a minute and said, your daughter is a dancer. And so then the mom went and signed her up for dance class. And this person grew up to be Jillian Lynn, who was this very famous dancer and choreographer. And the way she tells her story is saying that she suddenly felt so happy to be in these dance classes. She says, suddenly I was with other people like me who needed to move to think. And I just think, wow, just to picture just that one child's joy to feel that relief of being with her people. Yeah, and, yeah. and there are so many stories like that. A lot of times people who are first responders and people who are entrepreneurs, they are the perfect ADHD test case. <laughs> like, those qualities of being able to jump in impulsively and have so many out of the box ideas, that is exactly the person that is needed for those kinds of jobs and those kinds of situations. And um, there are a lot of athletes who have ADHD. And so I think that it's really important that we as parents can also have our own vision expanded. So we're not just seeing like this third grader who's struggling. We're Mm -hmm. seeing, wow, I have a big person. Like this person has a huge personality and I have to find ways that that can shine and yeah, there are some maybe weak areas because kids do need to learn how to sit still for extended periods of time as they go into adulthood. They do need to learn respect for other people's space. They do need to learn respectful communication patterns so they're not just blurting out. You know, these are all just skills. Mm-hmm. And so we can pinpoint the specific skills our child needs. And work on those with or without a diagnosis. Mm. And so as we get to be really good detectives and are very observant for our own kids, and as we can feel permission to celebrate them and not get roped into everyone else's concern for them, you know, our job is to celebrate and hold vision for our kids. Mm. And so we can't let ourselves get roped into a smaller view of them. But at the same time, yes, these weaker areas, they need to be addressed. And we can do that. But it's not an emergency. We can just take it one day at a time and just really celebrate and embrace our child.
0: And help them build the skills. I like that you pointed that out. Sometimes I feel like we think that these are personality traits, like being polite and doing things like not interrupting, but they're actually skills that can be learned and taught. And is that where accommodations come in? You mentioned that you would come back to accommodations.
1: That is where accommodations come in. Because if we always put our kids in matched environments, then they don't grow. So there is actually some benefit to having mismatch environments every once in a while (laughs) or even regularly. So not seeing that as an enemy, but seeing it as part of the curriculum. So I remember with my child, who is classic ADHD, music is very important in my family. And so we would go to concerts. But every every time we would go, I just sort of brace myself (laughs) to be embarrassed, to be Mm. constantly having to... It was such an active process for me as his mom sitting next to him at an event he was supposed to be quiet at. I wouldn't necessarily bring him to Carnegie Hall until he reached a certain proficiency level, but yet I didn't stop bringing him to concerts. And Mm. I just accepted that it was going to be a learning curve. And I remember one day I looked over at him and he was sitting watching the concert. Mm. And I was like, it happened. Yeah. it happened. <laughs> he learned how to do this.
0: And if you would have just stopped taking him because it wasn't matched, then right. he never would have learned that and you're so mm-hmm. right as a parent that you have to be willing to tolerate some discomfort yourself in people mm-hmm. staring at you, people <laughs> judging your parenting perhaps, you know, I mm-hmm. get a lot of phone calls about this child from the school, from mm-hmm. camps and things and I have toughened up as a parent where I just take it as information. I don't take it as any personal attack on my parenting or anything else. I just Mm -hmm. say, thank you so much for letting me know. And we'll have a conversation about this and we'll work on this. And then this child is growing. And you find that with accommodations in school, like if they get accommodations with testing and things like that, that it's almost like scaffolding for them to be able to take care of their needs themselves with time. And how do accommodations with school help them instead of sort of just babying their weaknesses, if that makes sense? Mm -hmm.
1: I think it can be used as scaffolding. And particularly if you see... A certain context where someone is just not able to show what they know or perform to their true ability, that's where an accommodation is warranted. And to be honest, so many IEPs and 504s are just a lot of words and it doesn't always happen. <laughs> you can yeah. sit and make the greatest plan in the world. So a lot of it is continued communication with the teacher, but, but definitely scaffolding is a good metaphor because it's something that's there, but then does get removed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe certain things won't be removed because 504s allow for people to even have some scaffolding through college and people self-select as they get older to choose places where they can succeed in terms of their careers. And so it becomes less necessary.
0: Yeah. Well, and especially at the elementary school age, though, these kids really don't have a lot of control over their Mm -hmm. learning environment. So for this child, I said, you know, maybe you need to have a routine where halfway through the test, you stop and stand up and take a drink or go to the bathroom or something because focus Mm -hmm. is hard. And this child said, I'm not allowed to do that. So that's when accommodation, I think, is important because then they're allowed to do the things that support their brain. But Mm -hmm. fortunately, when we move into adulthood, we no longer have teachers telling us that we're not allowed to do things. So if we've learned our brain and we know, okay, I have to take a break and mm-hmm. take a drink of water or whatever, yes. then we know kind of how to manage our own needs better. Well, this has been such an uplifting conversation. I love the focus on strength-based mm-hmm. approach to ADHD. I actually recently started listening to a podcast podcast, That's for women who have ADHD Mm -hmm. because sometimes I wonder about myself (laughs) and it's called ADHD for smart a women and her introduction lists all these famous people like that's how she starts her podcast says Thomas Edison John F. Kennedy Mozart Michael Jordan Serena Williams Simone Biles Mel Robbins Emma Watson like these are all people who have ADHD And when she starts her podcast that way, I'm like, oh, wow, these are awesome, successful people. And Mm -hmm. my child can be too. Yes. So I love this approach to it. And I do want to have episodes in the future on the show. I've had a lot of moms reach out to me and ask about them if they have ADHD and how that makes it difficult to mother in a certain way. So I hope to approach that. But Mm -hmm. focusing on the children today, what further resources do you have if people want to learn more from you?
1: So I think the best place to go is to drmarywild.com. And that's d-r-m-a-r-y-w-i-l-d-e.com. And I'm so excited to share that I am having a challenge coming up starting September 13th in my free Facebook group. And that is all about ending the homework battles. Mm -hmm. And also there's a bonus opportunity called organizational boot camp that helps maybe organizationally challenged child or family clean a room in a week. (laughs) So I think that these are our day-to-day struggles. And as a behavioral health provider, as a mom, as somebody who is sort of a dreamy scatterbrained person myself... I am excited to share some of the things that I've learned over the many years. Perfect. So there will be a little banner on the top of my website that either says, you know, join the challenge or join the Facebook group. And so depending on when you're listening to this episode, you can do one or the other.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you, Dr. Mary, for coming on 3 and 30.
1: Thanks, Rachel.
0: Well, my friends, this was a conversation I needed today, and I hope it uplifted you as well. Whatever struggles your children experience, it's always going to benefit all of us to take a strength-based approach to supporting them, and I'm so grateful to Dr. Mary for that reminder. As a recap of her three takeaways, first, help your child with ADHD see their strengths. Children with ADHD are probably used to getting a lot of negative feedback about their behaviors, but it's important to help them understand that many of their greatest gifts come from the unique way that their brain works. When I told my child that they were going to be tested, I explained that this was not because they have a disorder that needs to be fixed, but rather because they have a unique and amazing brain that needs to be supported. Second, help your child with ADHD find a matched environment to set them up for success. This may play into the decisions you make for their schooling as well as the communication you have with their teachers about their needs. It's important to recognize when they've been in a mismatched environment for a long time so you can help them recalibrate and lean back into their unique strengths. I also appreciated Dr. Mary's reminder that we can't keep them in a matched environment all the time, and that's actually good because it will stretch them to develop new skills if we are there to scaffold and support them. Third, Help your child with ADHD have vision for the future by sharing success stories. Is there a famous person in their field of interest that has ADHD? Do some Googling and find out. It's important that they, and we as their parents, recognize that this diagnosis does not have to limit their potential throughout their life, but can actually be a springboard for harnessing their unique gifts. My friends, as I mentioned to Dr. Mary, we are going to have more coming on this topic, both on how to support our kids with ADHD and how to support ourselves if we have ADHD. I will link Dr. Mary's upcoming challenge on helping children with ADHD manage homework and organization in the show notes. Moms, you are doing a really great job and your children are so lucky to have you. I'm sending you all my love and I hope you have a wonderful week
1: with your family.